gospel according to St. Luke, the third chapter. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip was ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Licinius ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When we expect honored guests in our lives, we prepare. That's what we do. It's what we've done forever. I mean, dating all the way back to the time of Jesus, and I'm sure before then as well. We prepare. And I remember hating that process as a kid. The least wonderful time of the year was that moment when my mom announced at the beginning of winter break that we were hosting Christmas Eve and therefore had to clean the house top to bottom. It was a week-long process, one I loathe to this day. But I did learn something, and this is a pro tip for those that are maybe preparing this year. Closets, man, closets work wonders. You can just stuff a lot of stuff into a closet and clean up a room like that. Don't look in these closets. I'm saying at home in general, it works though, right? Cleaning and getting ready, preparing the way, and everyone has a different way of doing it. I am still in awe of the time coming home from college with my then-girlfriend Katie to find her mother vacuuming the blinds. I didn't know a person could do that. It never occurred to me that that was an option, but now when I go into people's houses, I check the blinds because I don't want to be rude because what if they did vacuum them and no one says a word, right? That would just be rude. I think about my mom, too. My mom has changed her mentality over the years. You see, it was a big deal cleaning up. And now if you go to my mom's house, this is her new mantra. Well, if someone doesn't want to come into my house because it's not clean, they weren't here to see me anyway. Uh, where was this when we were growing up, Mom? I, I don't recall this Christmas Eve of 1998, certainly, as we all remember the tears. We all have different ways of preparing for honored guests. In fact, right now in our own house, we are doing the same thing, preparing for honored guests. We're, we've got Advent reeds and Advent candles, hopefully lighting the correct one on fire weekly, uh, getting ready for the coming of Jesus. We're also preparing for Santa. Of course we're preparing for Santa in our house, right? Got to make sure his pathways are clean to the tree, otherwise you won't get gifts or so. That's the rule this year in the house, right? We all are making preparations because when an honored person is coming, we must prepare. And in this season that is busy, in the season of, of overindulgence, let's say, and, and material generosity, we busy ourselves even further with this work of preparation. And it's with that sort of cultural backdrop 
that we are dropped into the wilderness today in our gospel. It's with that that we find ourselves side by side, shoulder to shoulder with a voice crying out in the wilderness to prepare the way. The entirety, entirety of this text, I think, encapsulates so succinctly John's life and particularly John's ministry of preaching. But it begins with a history lesson. It begins with the names of powerful people in important places. The name of an emperor, a governor, or tetrarchs. It names the various locations from which their thrones sit, from which they rule the realms under which are their feet. It's on that backdrop that we zoom in into the wilderness, and we're told that that's, that's the location where God goes. It's to John in the wilderness, the son of a disbelieving and tongue-tied priest, Zechariah, that we find ourselves and we find God this day. And who we find out there is preaching a sermon that's not even his. I said it, John plagiarized his sermon this day. It's a sermon preached throughout the ages. It's a sermon that echoes throughout the prophets of all time, particularly that of Isaiah this day, with the message that all flesh shall see the salvation of God. It points back to Isaiah while pointing ahead to the child that is as yet to be born in our midst. And there ain't no mountain high enough there ain't no valley low enough. There ain't no wilderness wide enough, perhaps some would say, to keep me from getting to you, babe. Oh, no, from the baby from being born, right? This, this child is going to be born, and what I love about this text is we're told to prepare the way, and at the same time, we know darn well nothing we can do is going to get in the way. We could be caught without having vacuumed our blinds, and yet Jesus will come because, indeed, all of creation is changing. All of creation is bending low and preparing the way, and that, I think, leads us to the key this morning. When an honored guest is coming, we prepare. When a divine guest is coming, we repent. And I think that is the key to the sermon. That is the key to John's message, and that's the key to the message of the prophets throughout time this day, is that notion that nothing we can do will change what's going to happen, but in the meantime, we can change ourselves. We can repent. We can turn our lives back to God, turn our lives to the attention that others need instead of the lists of what they want. And I think that's so important for us to hear, that we need to recognize that, that there is a deep and abiding desire to forgive and be forgiven. And that gift of forgiveness, that gift of, of reconciliation is greater than any gift you could possibly give. And I've seen the toy catalog this year. There's some good stuff out there. And this is even better than that. It's an opportunity to open our hearts to a Savior who continues to arrive year after year after year in spite of the fact that we are never truly fully prepared. And that's the reality I've, I've learned in this life is you're never really prepared for the birth of a child, or two in my case, because we had a two-for-one deal the second time around. You're never really prepared. I love asking young couples waiting and expecting their first child, are you ready? 
And then they go, oh, of course. And I go, you just lied to your pastor. How does that feel? <laughs> because you're not. Because every kid is different. You could read all the books in the world, but it doesn't matter. Unless that book is a book written by the prophets. Unless that book is divine. Unless that book is a gift from God and illuminates the truth that God's love is inescapable. And then maybe, just maybe, you might be ready. But what's hard, what's hard is nothing is going to stop. Nothing's going to stop them. Like I said, mountains and valleys, it doesn't matter. Wilderness doesn't matter. And I need that today. Because, you see, the last two years have really felt like a wilderness. It's felt like a wilderness in so many ways. The wilderness of COVID, of a pandemic that goes month after month after month, and now variant after variant after variant. It's, it's the wilderness of a broken judicial system that seems to promise sort of justice for some, but not justice for all. It's the wilderness of personal relationships, which have undoubtedly been impacted these last few years, whether it be within our own families, our communities, or even the country. Everything is political these days. Everything. And it makes it so hard to come to agreement on anything. And it's exhausting. It truly is. I am exhausted. I don't know if you feel that way. I don't want to speak for you, but it's how I feel. I'm terribly exhausted. And the last thing I want to do when I'm exhausted is be told what I should be doing, especially if that thing is repent. I don't have time for repentance. I want to eat my chocolate and be left alone. It's hard. It's a difficult moment in which we live, and yet... And yet we're told that this is what we must do. But we're promised in the process that if we're willing, if we're willing to just turn our eyes back to God, that we will see the salvation of God that comes to us. And if we're willing to open our hearts to God, that we will experience the fullness and hear the fullness of God's love in the prophetic sermon that echoes throughout history as it does once more today, now through me. A sermon that takes us all the way back to the 40th chapter of Isaiah. A sermon that begins with these words. Comfort, oh comfort, my people Israel, says your God. So yeah, we're going to end up with preparations and repentance. But we're going to start with God's comforting word. And I need comfort now in a world that seems so unfamiliar day to day, in a world that has destroyed routines and is a person who thrives by routine, this is difficult. And I need, now more than ever, comfort, something familiar, something to just embrace me, that I know that I can do this, not under my own will, but with the help of the community around me. But the sermon also ends this way. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Again, I'm weary. I'm tired of this. I don't know how much longer I want to do it. And yet, in that moment, we hear the words of the prophet who lifts us up like on eagle's wings, who holds us in the palm of the hand and says, you are worthy. You are worthy of my love. You are worthy of my son. You are worthy of a savior. And whether or not we are prepared, it's going to happen. 
So at the very least, we might as well repent and turn our hearts, turn our minds, turn our eyes back to God who makes these wonderful, comforting, and loving promises this year as in all years. Thanks be to God.